Hello, lovely. It's Shauna Lee, and welcome back to the Soul Frequency Show podcast, where we're stepping into the light and raising our frequency together. Each week, we get to return to this sacred space to have conversations about the things we all experience in life, love, health, and career. A space where we, as spiritual beings, having this human experience, can amplify our gifts and remember our truth. The title of this episode is Soul Shift. Well, there's definitely a lot of soul shifting going on in people's lives. And, you know, it's funny, there's waves to this soul shift. So if you look back on your journey, you might think about, wow, I really, you know, went through a big wave in like 2010 to 2012. And for some of you, you might think not at all, like I wasn't even on my spiritual path or thinking anything about this back then. And then for other people, they might say, wow, like 2016, 17, 18 was really my time of shifting really our frequency. That's what a soul shift is, like shifting into our soul self and really embracing the journey for others. It might be like, wow, 2020 for a lot of people was a big, big shift, a big pause to take a look at your life. And now there's another wave that's really kind of moving through our collective here in 2023. And a lot of this is really being spurred on by certain planetary alignments and things going on, solar flares, Lots of things happening in our outer world, I want to call it, um, creating a lot of changes to our inner world. So we are inextricably tied together. And as we move closer and closer to more of a unity consciousness, we are not just thinking about that in terms of like moving towards unity with other people, although, yes, and that's beautiful, but also unity in understanding like how we interact with our environment and the greater world and our galaxy and, you know, our fellow brothers and sisters on the planet and beyond and how we interact with the magnetics of the planet and the frequencies and the energies and how that creates a lot of our life experiences and, and how we then in turn take our frequency and share it back, right? So we're always taking things in and then we're always also sharing our own energy and our own frequency and our own lessons. And so my guest today um, it has a really, really powerful new book out called Soul Shift. And uh, Rachel Macy Stafford is the New York Times bestselling author of Hands-Free Mama, Only Love Today and Live Love Now. Rachel is a certified special education teacher whose personal strategies are universal invitations to embrace life with urgency and cultivate connection, despite the distractions of our culture. Her blog is a source of inspiration to millions. Rachel lives in Georgia with her beloved family and two rescue cats. For more about her, you can visit handsfreemama.com. So with no further ado, let's welcome Rachel Macy Stafford to the show. Hello, welcome to the show. I'm so excited you're here with us today. 
I'm so happy to be here. Yes. And, you know, it's been, um, I look back over like the past five years, 10 years of life. And when I saw your book, Soul Shift, I was like thinking about the journey we've all been on together. Like Mm -hmm. when we look back, I don't think there's anybody that, you know, can look back five years ago, 10 years ago and say that their life is exactly the same. There's been a lot going on on the planet. So I wanted to kind of dive into that today and talk about like your perspective and your journey and what led you to writing this book. Cause you have such amazing work um, on the parental relationship, connecting with your kids, like, you know, how we can be more of ourselves, but to start talking about this soul aspect and this finding the inner joy, I think is like, you know, kind of going to another level of awareness. So take us back a little bit. Like if I were to say, go back 10 years, like Mm -hmm. who were you? Where were you? What was going on in life at that time? Okay. So uh, 10 years ago, my daughter, I have two daughters and they were pretty small, like four and seven. And we had just moved to a new neighborhood, a new state. Um, And, you know, when you're in a new place, you want to get acclimated and you want to get connected. And so I was trying to do everything I could to like, you know, meet people and be uh, social. And so at the same time, I was getting my teaching uh, certification, recertification to be able to teach in the new state. And my husband was traveling. And so it just became the snowball of perpetually just grinding away like every day this very very long to-do list you know not thinking about my feelings you know okay how are you feeling today that never occurred to me it was just living by a list basically and so I had this interesting epiphany while I was out for a run And I was thinking about this question that I was getting a lot at the time, which was, how do you do it all? And I, for the first time, I was like, you know, what what is the actual answer to that? And if I'm being honest with myself, which I was for the first time in a long time, I realized I can do it all because I'm missing out on life. I'm missing the living, the laughing, the breathing, the playing, the resting. And I just wanted to be able to like live each day, not just manage each day. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but just to realize this isn't how I want to live. That was kind of my starting point. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. Um, When I was growing up, my father, during a certain section of his life, he represented artists. And he represented an artist that lived in upstate New York. And she finger painted. And it was wild because she finger painted like from the top down or the bottom up of a canvas. So it wasn't like making the person and then filling in the background. It unfolded from the top down or the bottom up, which is really, I can't even imagine how you would do that, right? And she said that she always painted these really like expressive eyes and faces, but it was always small children and then older elderly adults. And she said, I don't paint people in the midsection of their life because they lose their soul. Oh, that gives me chills. 
<laughs> I know. And she like, she was such a wise woman and so beautiful, such an art, like just an artist's heart. But it, it's like, I heard that when I was very young, right? And didn't like really think twice about it because I would have no perspective on that. But I've thought about it many times because what you're talking about is like in this very busy midsection of life, it's so easy to lose the joy. It's so easy to, yeah. you know, have so much to do that you're the last person on your list and you're overwhelmed. And I know, you know, this whole community and everybody listening can identify with that. And, and that moment of recognition that you share about where you just finally say, wait a second, like, where am I in all of this, I think is a really important recognition. Like as you are out on, you know, having this moment of clarity out on this run, like what started to change for you or what did you start to do from that aha moment? Well, um, and it, it was interesting because like I said, that was really the first time in a while that I like allowed myself to be honest. Like I, I was so used to wearing all these masks. And I think that touches on what you were saying about when you're in the middle of your life and you've gotten, a, you know, used to these roles where, you know, oh, she's, she's a mom or uh, she's a teacher and she's um, a partner and she's uh, an overachiever. She's an accommodator. You know, we just pile on these roles that maybe we started doing because we thought, okay, this is how I get love and acceptance or approval. And then we start going through our life and go, but this is costing me holding up all these roles that I don't want to have, or I never asked for, or I don't need anymore. It's separating me from my authentic self and my joy. And so being able to tell myself, like, I'm missing my life. I don't want to miss my life. So what am I going to do? And I'm a former special ed teacher. So I worked with a lot of kids who they came to me with, you know, severe behavior problems. And everyone had these big lofty goals for how they were going to change them and improve them. And I thought, we got to start small. We got to start with just one small step toward where the student wanted to go, not even what the teachers or the parents, but where, who do you want to be? And I knew that I wanted to be more connected with my children. I, I knew the cost of living that highly distracted um, checklist life was that I wasn't connecting with my kids. And so that's what I did that day. I had this sensation like, I'm, I'm in the middle of packing a lunch. I've got the computer open, the phone buzzing. There's my daughter, four-year-old Avery, sitting on the couch watching The Lion King and becoming aware, you know, that, okay, I want to change. I want to do something different. I heard this little voice say, just set down that knife and go to Avery. And I sat down next to her. And she did something that no one has ever done in my whole life. She picked up my hand and she kissed my palm. And I thought, wow, it, is it really this simple to grasp what matters in life? We've got to let go of what doesn't matter. And I'm spending all this time and energy on things that I'm not even sure they matter to me. I'm just doing them. And, and 
that was a breakthrough moment for me because I thought, if I begin looking for these opportunities to connect to either someone I love or to my own heart, I'm not going to put it off. I'm going to, I'm not going to say this isn't on the schedule or I don't have time for this. And that is how I started this. I call it my practice of presence because I had to practice being present because I was so distracted all the time. Yeah. I mean, what is the, like, it's almost like an addiction of like Mm -hmm. taking care of what is in the broad scheme of things, meaningless tasks over the things that like really matter in life. Like, why do we get, why do you think human beings get so involved in these, in the minutia of life and miss the big, like those moments, right? Where you can just look your child in the eyes or your partner or a loved one and just sit and be with them. Like, and kids just know presence. I mean, they like don't know anything but that, right? Like, you know, they're just so, it's so funny. Like I always say, like, I mean, if I asked my son, like, do you want like a cookie now? Or do you want a cookie in four hours? It'd be like, what are you even talking? Like, of course, right now, like, why would I wait four hours? Like all there is is now, right? To like yeah, enjoy exactly. life. And, yeah. and where do you think like, cause you've, you've been, you know, in, in child development and you've spent so much time around children. Like, why do we get pulled out of that so intensely? Mm-hmm. Well, I think a large problem is just the culture that we live in. We get accolades and we get reinforcement for doing, you know, being productive, being fast and efficient, having the achievements. And, and, you know, that starts very early now, even middle schoolers that I talk to, they're like, I don't even have time to play and do the things that I want because I have this, this, and this after school. So it starts very, very early in our life when we are told this is what success is. Success is not playing around with your guitar over there in that corner because we don't have anything to show for it. And I think that's the problem is those special moments of connection that there's no, there's no proof of that. We, we can't say, oh, I, I had these wonderful connections today. You know, that's not what people are posting about there. You know, we're, we live in this show and tell culture where it's like, well, what do you have to show us? Like, you know, how successful are you? And that's how success is measured in those external things, not the internal things. So it takes a lot of work to decide, you know what, I'm not going to judge my success or my worthiness on how much I produce or how much I accomplish. I'm going to shift to did I connect with the people that I love today? And something that interesting that happened to me when I did start those very intentional, like just stopping, when I saw a moment to seize, I just, I stopped and I seized it. And when you are in those connective moments with someone that you love, or even a stranger, just that human connection where you're you know, zeroed in, there is a sense of peace and calm that just overcomes you. Suddenly, all those things you thought were so important, you you get a real perspective. It's like it takes you out of that 
tunnel vision of this is how it's got to go, you know, because those connective moments, you don't know what's going to happen. And it can be so rewarding to live that curious, spontaneous, you know, unplanned life. Yeah. And, you know, as you're saying this, I'm thinking like we are doing this younger and younger to children. I think, you know, just more and more, um, like achievement in certain ways, like is demanded of children at a younger and younger age. And the, the stress of that and the, like, so far from being an authentic child, right. It's just so far away from authenticity to like, put that drive on kids younger and younger. Like, what have you seen, you know, in your time in child development, like that you spent and as, and watching your kids grow up and being, you know, obviously when you have kids, like you start to get into environments with other children and get around the world. Like, what is your take on that? Well, I actually, my fourth book, Live Love Now, was based on conversations that I had in middle schools, um, I talked to hundreds and hundreds of students. It was a spontaneous exercise that I did where I said, well, first I told them about my highly distracted life and how I was missing the moments that matter. And I was so far away from what I call my dreamer girl, who I was at eight years old, who loved to climb trees and write in notebooks and collect stray animals. So I I was very vulnerable when I would come in and say, this is where I was, and I knew I didn't want to be there. And then they opened up to me. I just, I asked them one question, you know, went to lots of classrooms, lots of schools, and I said, if you could give the world one message, what would it be? And there were about four themes that just kept coming up and coming up. And it was like, no one listens to me, to what I want. It's all about what someone else wants me to be. And some of them were so sad, like, well, my dream, the dream that I had for myself has already been squashed by my parents, you know, so they feel an immense amount of pressure to get on that hamster wheel and they they can tell like i'm sad you know we we wonder why are we having this epidemic of depression and anxiety well when you're not living your authentic life and you're not getting to do the things that delight your heart you are going to feel depressed and one of the really important pieces of research that i came across when i was writing live love now was from Dr. William Damon. He wrote a book called The Path to Purpose. And he has studied for decades, young people and purpose. And he found that all all stress is not created equal. A student or, or a young person can be doing something that is really difficult and challenging, but if it's something that they choose to do in their life, they, that's not the same stress as you're going to prepare for the SATs and you're going to get this certain score. That is a different type of stress. And so when I read that, it really shaped how I was listening to my daughters when they would tell me kind of grandiose ideas. Like my youngest daughter is a guitar player. She wanted to make an album. And I thought, oh, well, that you know, that seems really far out there. I just don't know. And she 
started writing songs. She worked with someone who could record with her. And she had an album, a little six song album. And I thought, you know, what if I had squelched that and said, I think you rather I think you need to be using that time to, you know, study or work on, you know, improving your test scores, because that's a reality. You know, parents, we're just trying to keep up. And we think, well, if, if we don't send our kids to test prep, how are they going to get into college? And it's just, it's a snowball effect. Yeah. It's so beautiful that you let her follow her dream like that. And we have a similar, my son has a YouTube channel and he has liked to make videos since he was very young and he wanted to start it when he was five. And I was like, mm, that's a little young. I don't know. And, and I said, let's make sure you really want to do it because it takes time, right? And it takes energy yeah. and you want to put your intention towards it. So I made him wait for like six months and, and he was so sweet because he would just check in from time to time, like, okay, are you ready to let me do this? And so eventually oh. we did it and we helped him and he loves it. Like it's a, just a creative outlet for him to like share the things he loves and, you know, and it's so funny too, because I was, you know, nervous as an adult that like, oh, would there be pressure to like build it or do? And so- oh. And it was really funny because I was like, you know what? He doesn't even care about that. Like, he doesn't care how mm -hmm. fast it grows. He doesn't care. Like, he just wants to, like, make his videos and design his thumbnails and, you know, be it. He's totally yeah. doing the whole process. You know, he's 10 now, but, like, he loves it. And I'm like, and it, it was such a lesson for me because I'm like, you know, a lot of times as adults, we do things and we go, well, what's the outcome going to be, right? Exactly. Like, or where is this going to like, you know, be good? Yeah. Or is it going to get out there? And is it going to, and yeah. I was like, no, like he just wants to create and let it do whatever it does. And oh. in the pureness of heart, and it's been such a fun journey. Like I've learned from the journey of watching him yeah. just be in that like pure creation mode and not you know, not need to do anything. And like, he, it's so funny. He told me one day, he's like, I want to learn to play drums because my husband plays guitar. And I go, okay. So we bought, you know, him a drum set for his birthday. And I was like, before we give him lessons, let's just let him play on the drums, like see what he comes up with and see, yeah. you know. And so we decided that we would play every day, like just play the drums every day, whatever we want. And it is like, the most joyous, wonderful, like I tear up because he, he doesn't have anybody telling him like how to do it. And yeah. so he like, he finds all these levels in the music and he's just listening to his soul and his heart. And there's so much joy in it. And he's just creating such cool stuff, right? Like just from, I said, listen oh within gosh. and just create yeah. whatever's in your heart, you know? And it's just well, watching that creativity. And I love that you brought that up because that's another key factor that I was in my research. I found that kids need that exploration process. Like it's not go find your purpose. It's more go do what delights your heart and your purpose finds you. And so that's why when I'm talking to adults now in my generation who are, who are saying, I, I have no spark. I've lost my joy. I don't know who I am. And I said, when's the last time you allowed yourself to explore 
and just have time to meander and wander and just go. You know, I loved going to the library when I was a kid and I just love the smell of the books. And I realized as an adult, that's a good place for me to go to get back in touch with that part of me. And so it's like, we've got to allow not just our kids to have that exploration process. And, and like you said, room to fail, room to not get it right. You know, your son is probably making all kinds of mistakes, but he doesn't have anyone judging and he's not judging himself, which is huge. That is huge. Yeah, no, it is. It's like, I watch him and it's like, he just, you know, if something doesn't work out, he's like, oh, no big deal. And I'm like, some people just like berate themselves, oh. right? Forever. And they they won't even keep going. Like they'll just quit or they'll just stop. And it's really, I mean, you know, the, the parent-child relationship is a two-way learning, right? Oh. Ex- exploration yes. all the time. That's so extraordinary. And I think in Soul Shift, like what's so poignant about that is getting back to you know, that curiosity of self, right? Getting back to like remembering how present we actually are. Like when we come onto this earth, like, you know, we're so connected to authenticity, like, and learned, you know, more and more that we are, you know, supposed to be part of society, not supposed to be connected. And then we have to unlearn that and go back to like, what is the truth here? of who I am. And I think you do a really beautiful job of kind of guiding people to that presence, because if we don't have presence, we can't have that awareness. Like we can't even get out of the whirlwind of the whole, you know, craziness of life to even say, how do I feel? Because we have to stop to know. Yeah. Because if you think about, you go to the doctor, they're going to assess where you are before they can tell you what the next step is. So that's where we start is we we just need to have a check-in with ourselves and say, where am I exactly? And and I will tell you, and it's in Soul Shift. I mean, I was extremely vulnerable. I was like, if I'm going to tell this story, I'm going to tell that it is painful at times to, to come to the realization that you have lost time or you have made mistakes in in one of the biggest mistakes for me was when I was living that highly distracted, you know, go, go, go life, I was stressed out. <laughs> and I took a lot of that stress out on my children. And so I have some major regrets from incidents that happened where I did not treat them the way that a parent should treat a child because I was so stressed out. And so sitting with myself and listening, having 10 minutes every morning to just kind of be still, listen to my heartbeat. Sometimes I would read letters from my grandma because that made me feel very encouraged. Um, And just to say, you know what, I'm going to have compassion for myself because I didn't know what I know now. And I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to get back in touch with that part of me. And being vulnerable with myself allowed me to then be honest with my my kids. And one of the most powerful things I said to my oldest, Natalie, when I recognized I had a bully inside me and that bully, when I put all that pressure on myself and said, it has to be perfect or you can't go out looking like that, I then spewed that onto her. 
And I told her, I said, I realize I'm mean to myself. And when I'm mean to myself, I'm mean to you. And I'm sorry. I don't know how I'm going to stop doing it, but I'm going to stop. And Natalie, she was seven years old at the time. And it was not a look of, oh my gosh, I'm scared. My mom, this is who my mom is. She knew. She, it was like she knew my mom is stressed out and my mom is going to try to, to heal and get better. And so being honest with her kind of set the stage for her to be, you know, honest with me and being able to go through her teen years and know I've shared my struggles with her and she can share her struggles with me, you know? It's just being a human, right? It's like being human to human. I mean, we have these sometimes ideas as parents that you can't like tell your children on these, these real things. You need to show up like as if you're perfect, but like the jokes on the parent, because like, you know what I mean? Your kids see and feel all kinds of stuff. And it's so amazing. Cause like in all my years of working with people, like some of one, some of the most healing moments have been, whether it's when kids are young or they're adults, you know what I mean? That still have the wounds of childhood. When mm-hmm. a parent just says, I'm sorry, I see mm-hmm. that I did this. Like it erases so much pain and hurt. Like they're not looking, kids are not looking for parents to be perfect. They know, mm-hmm. right? But like when you're able to see what you've done, like you beautifully did and take responsibility for that, like so much healing happens. And the connectedness and the closeness happens mm-hmm. in that moment. Like, because you've built that trust of being able to just have a human to human interaction, you know, with your child, which then frees you up too. Exactly. And I just find that, you know, like you were saying, the more human that you are with your children, the more human they can be with you. And I have a 16 year old and a 19 year old, and I'm just, anyone who has teenagers knows the consequences of mistakes and bad choices are much higher and more significant than they were when you and I were younger. Yes. And so we want them to be able to come to us, even if they do the most embarrassing, awful thing, and it's out there. And, you know, kids are leaving this earth too soon because they feel like I I can't tell anybody this. And so for me, that's one of the like biggest motivators of just continuing to be honest with myself and honest with my girls. Um, in 2020, in the pandemic, everything shut down. And I realized, okay, I'm really feeling uh, like I need to be tethered to something. I felt like I was, you know, going to backslide into many of those negative coping mechanisms that I had overcome. And I told my girls, I said, you know, I'm going to have a call with a therapist. And I had wanted to have a therapist almost my whole life because my sister's a therapist. And she always says, everybody can use some good therapy. And I told my girls, you know, I, I have some things I want to talk about with someone. And I have issues that I want to address. And it was interesting because I didn't even say to my oldest what some of my issues were, but she said, 
Mom, um, I'm going to be printing out some body positive mantras that you can post. She knew I was struggling with my body image and my eating and just being so hard on myself. And she knew that. And she didn't shame me or say, oh, this is terrible. My mom's not who I thought she was. She said, I have something that can help you. Yeah. No, they're so kind hearted. And like, you know, I think people's fear in saying I'm sorry is, is that a person will be like, see, I told you, so you're awful or to punish you, right? Like if you show that vulnerability, you'll be like torn down or punished. And it's the exact opposite of that, right? Like there's something so pure and real about that moment of like saying, oh, I know what I did. I take responsibility. I'm so sorry that it's like, you know, 99% of the time met with nothing but just love and acceptance and care. And then in turn, you can have more love, acceptance and care for yourself. And like, I think, you know, sometimes we are the last ones to realize we're not fooling anybody <laughs> Like with things, exactly. you know, it's like, we think we have certain things like undercover, but the people that live with us and love us, like they many times, you know, are seeing that stuff before we even become aware of it. Well, and when I started my practice of presence, you know, I talked about that guilt that was coming up for me. And so eventually I started a practice of self-forgiveness, which I, in Soul Shift, I kind of show like the progression that I made because you don't become aware of things until you start getting quiet. And I realized, you know, I'm beating myself up over things that I did and, and living with this regret is just like sabotaging me of, of this moment today. And so I created some, you know, self-forgiveness rituals, you know, I call it setting down the baggage so that I can move forward. And one of um, the most powerful self-forgiveness rituals that I started with my daughters when they were like, I don't know, seven and 10, that they still continue to ask for from time to time is the heartbeat check. And at night, when we would get into the bed to say our good night, I would say, can I listen to your heartbeat? And for some reason, listening to the heartbeat and they would say, what does it sound like? That just kind of opened up this window to talk about things that maybe we wish we would have done differently, whether it was that day or in the past. And it sometimes hurt when, when, you know, Avery, who was four at the time, she, she would, she said, mom, remember that time you yelled at me because I had those blisters on my feet. And I thought, oh my gosh, she remembers that. But I thought, you know what? I can punish myself for that, or I can choose to say, I'm doing something differently now. And so again, it was an opportunity to say, I'm so sorry. And mom wasn't taking good care of herself. So, you know, learning how these small ways of just practicing uh, presence, practicing self-forgiveness, practicing connection, it's not, it's not complicated. It's, but it's, and it's, it, it, people want to say, well, it's simple, but you have to also be intentional about it. You have to decide, I am going to make time for these things. 
Yeah, it's so true. And you lay out so many beautiful, you know, shares and stories and tools that people can use in Soul Shift. Can you tell everybody where they can follow along on this journey? Absolutely. So my blog is called handsfreemama.com. And when you go to the website, you can see I have well, now I've written five books and there's little descriptions so you can kind of figure out, okay, this is where I am or, you know, I'm going to, I have a daily inspiration book for people who like just have a very short attention span and they, they don't want to read a whole book, but um, you can go there and then you can connect with me on my social media accounts and I just, Soul Shift is coming out in March and I'm really proud of it. <laughs> yes, it's so beautiful. It's putting this work out into the world and giving people tools is I think one of the biggest gifts that we can give. Like we walk our walk and we learn things and to be able to yeah. share that is so awesome. So thank you so much for hanging out with us today. It's been so fun. I loved being here. Thank you. Hey, lovely. This is Shauna Lee. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Soul Frequency Show. If you got even one piece of valuable information, head over to Apple Podcasts and share a review with your takeaways. And follow us because we got lots more goodness to come. We are spreading the love far and wide. And you know where to find me over at IG at the Soul Frequency. Until the next time, love. Here's to positive vibes and powerful awakenings.